Welcome to my new look podcast. Originally I was podcasting about the 2019 election in Australia and I found that I was often coming to topics that were relevant to women in their 50s like myself. I'm 57 and so I thought that maybe what I need to do is just focus on that. So I know lots of really cool, interesting women and sometimes people talk about that being the invisible age and then other people talk about it being the age of the crone (laughs) as we get older and less mobile and less this and less that but we have so much more like we're more wise we're more understanding of the world and so that's what I'm going to talk about I'm going to be talking about topics that are relevant to women my age and also just tapping into that juicy wisdom that we have and that understanding of the world so hopefully it'll end up being interesting not just to people of the same demographic but to a broader range of people who just might say hey it's really cool listening to women of that age and and finding out what they think about the world so I'm left-leaning so I guess that's most of my friends are but I'm always open and curious to find out how people think about different things and and how they've interpreted the world and what they've learnt. One of the sad things about this generation is that there is we are the highest level of rise in homelessness Women over 60 in Australia have never been at such a high rate of homelessness. There's women everywhere who are couch surfing, who are sleeping rough, who have got nowhere to go. And how did the world get to that? How did this situation arise? So one of the things I want to do is kind of unravel that and look at how it could possibly get to this stage and talk to women who have had to face the fear of being alone, being vulnerable, poverty and how we never imagined that this is a situation that we would find ourselves in at this age. I'm really fortunate that... I'm healthy, I'm strong, I'm earning a good income, I have my own house, I don't have a partner. Fortunately, I have three adult children and some grandchildren, so I'm in a a good position because the security of having adult children is really quite a valuable thing to have when you're at this age because I know that if the unforeseen happens to me or if I I just come across bad luck in some way that I have children who can support me and who are prepared to, I've got enough of a good relationship with them that they wouldn't let me end up 
in that horrible situation that it seems like so many women of my generation have found themselves in. They've found themselves with nobody to help them financially and they're relying on friends and strangers to keep them going in this world. How did that happen in Australia of all places? One of the issues around that is superannuation. So if you look at like most people, women who are in this vulnerable age, who are in their, like I'm in my late um, 50s, so women in their late 50s and their 60s who are the ones who are suddenly finding themselves in this vulnerable position would have started their working lives in the 70s and 80s um, and they would have in back in those days when superannuation was uh, just starting up in the 90s that we were told I was told I know myself being um, a business person I had restaurants with my then husband that um, because we were business people and we didn't have that superannuation guarantee when that came in we went to see our, our broker and discussed having uh, superannuation and at that time it seemed ludicrous that a woman would need superannuation if you've got a husband because oh your husband would have to get the superannuation because he's the breadwinner of the family and so even though I was working in our businesses I as well as looking after our children the superannuation was awarded to my husband not me so we put the money our money that we earned together into his superannuation and so consequently when we split up I didn't have superannuation and then I had to be the sole parent looking after my children and my ex-husband managed to not have to contribute so I didn't have a spare penny to put into superannuation for my future I just every cent I had went into trying to look after my children and so I've really only been in a position to start contributing to superannuation since I turned 50 and I made the decision that I should pay my house off first before I start contributing to superannuation. I don't know if that was a good decision or not, but that's the one that I made. So that does mean that when I come to retirement age in 10 years from now, there could be consequences for me. So that's what I'm looking at. And, you know, so many women, I was lucky because I happened to be in a, a, a business, an IT business, where I've been able to get myself on my feet and, and once my youngest had turned 18, I could f focus on making money for myself and getting myself into a comfortable position and by having my own house. But so, but if so many women it's just like a touch and go between whether you I got into the housing market just before the boom if I had bought the house my house the year that I purchased it I wouldn't have had a, I 
two years later, I would never have been able to get into the market. I would have been in the position that a lot of young people are in today where they just can't get into the housing market. So it's not, I, I hope people don't look at women my age and say, oh, well, you know, you, I don't know, the thought, the impression that women, that people bludged around and took drugs and had had a lived the high life back in the 70s and and now we're all just paying cons and got cheap houses and and now oh you know we're the older generation who are taking the wealth from the younger I think we have to seriously look at that impression that people have and fight it because certainly there were people who were well off and better off than this current generation but there were also the women who struggled because of the inequity in society because domestic violence was not taken seriously and it often meant that you had to suffer in a relationship for because there was no way out except into extreme poverty or in the streets and in my own well you, there were women who who felt that perhaps they would lose their children if they left their ex-husband whatever there were a lot of you know the people who are in poverty today who are older didn't necessarily have this high life that the impression people have of the 70s and the 80s and the 60s it's not it the stereotype is uh, stereotypes are never right are they and that's one of the ones that's never not right so i'm going to be covering those topical issues i'm going to be talking and interviewing other women and i hope that you feel inspired to come back and listen again <laughs> Are you over 50? I want to talk to you. I'm running interviews on my podcast with women over 50 and 60 who are sick of being invisible and want to share stories about their life, the past, the future, what's going on now. Contact me and let's set up an interview. <laughs> Hello. Morning. Hello, you're there. We did it. <laughs> we did it. Okay, so it's it's recording now, mm-hmm. and um, as once we hit ten minutes, I'm just going to hang up on you. So make the most of it. Okay. Why? <laughs> so who am I talking to? You are talking to Dayananda. Mm-hmm. In. Oh, I'm a, I'm in Hewenden, sunny Hewenden. I actually had the first cold night last night that I have ever had here, so it was lovely. Oh, cool, exciting! And um, you're about to head off on a big adventure, but you've had ten years of big adventures leading up to today. So, um, do you want to talk past or future? Yeah, or I now? think I've had. 60 years of adventure leading up to today. That's true. Um, <laughs> 10, 10 years since I saw you last. 
Okay, so what happened? Oh, ten, yeah, yeah, it is, isn't it? So, which direction are we going? Which direction are we going? Well, I was talking to a friend a few minutes ago, mm-hmm. and, and uh, as as she walked along the beach on the coast, which made me feel so much better. Um, something, mm-hmm. and I said, you know, it'd be really fantastic. I just recalled that my father, who was a dentist. Uh, used to. I never knew that. Yeah, yeah. My dad was a dentist, and back in oh. the day, mm-hmm. he dealt with things from a sawtooth to building, creating dentures, and um, doing X-rays and everything. So, when a person walked in the door, he didn't just see a sawtooth and a filling; he saw a person. And then he worked on their problems from the beginning to the conclusion. And, and we don't get every now to do my dad's job that he used to do. There's probably at least 20 specialists that yep. you need to see and none of them talk to each other. And yep. so there is actually no person that walks into each of those doors. There's a an abscess or there's a... A crooked tooth, or there's a filling needed, yep. or there's a so there's no actual and just picking the dental thing because I know it. My dad used to say, Oh my god, I did that, and he actually, because he was involved in the whole person, he that about 25, maybe 30 years ago, um, realized there was a correlation between migraines with a lot of mm. people and the fact that they grinded their teeth. Ah, that's I, interesting, isn't it? Like looking at the whole person and yeah. like in some ways like having a specialist and that is good if you're in a city. But if you're in country towns like us, remote yep. towns, it's a nightmare if you yep. have to get dental work done, you have to wait, you have to wait for specialists to come, you've got no choice. Yep. And, yeah, you look at your dentist and go, or your doctor, and your go, doctor. really? Is that it? <laughs> GPs used to see a person. Yeah. You know, you'd walk in the door and they'd know you were Fred Bloggs from down the road and and you'd had mumps and measles and they didn't have to look it up in your records and they could go with the fact that you're over-emotional or that, that you, you know, don't feel pain a lot. They know all these little details and, and that's where, what we don't have anymore. You know, I mean, for, for Dad to be able to create a, what, what do you call it, a, a mouth guard for someone to wear at night 30 years ago to stop them from getting migraines was like groundbreaking stuff but nobody knew about it. Yeah. All these little guys, all these were just doing what they could to make life easier for the people they looked after. They weren't looking for glory. (laughs) They weren't going out and writing papers and trying to change the world. They were just working for the people that came through their door. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? And that's all about relationship and stuff like that too, which, hmm. People talk about holistic now, but. Yeah. Because we're going specialist with everything, the holistic goes right out the window. Yeah. But even yeah, I mean, um, connection with families as well, like when um, there used to be a tradition of called the gentleman's residence and that was a house that was built with 
offices in it so that if you're a lawyer or a professional gentleman, you would work from home. And so you were near your family. You would be seeing your clients in a home situation. So you you had a, like, there wasn't any mystery about who you were as much as there wasn't a mystery about who your clients were as well because you had that that connection with people around you and in your environment. And But I think in some ways we're returning to that, like we, because people can work from home because of technology. So yeah. I wonder. But it's certainly not going that way with the scientific professions, the medical professions, the clinical professions. Yeah, after my episodes with the doctors and the surgeries and the hospitals and the nurses recently, I I just think that the specialising thing Mm. cuts into the compassion. It cuts into the the reason that that health is or could be what it is, is that, that it involves a person helping another person, but the helping thing gets lost in translation when you've got 15,000 essays to write and you're no longer looking after the person you're treating symptoms that you read about, that you really want to experience how they work. Well, you know, instead of opening up your heart and seeing how they're working or what they're doing, it's go and check the textbook. Yeah, so true. And even nursing. <laughs> I had a doctor and she would be Googling things while I'm telling her my symptoms yep. and I'm thinking, I could have done yep. that. But, but yep. you know, there's another level of health professional that's, that's um, my current doctor is, I love my current doctor, and um, her partner is a nurse practitioner so yep. if I need to, like I go and see the doctor and she is that kind of, you know, clinic, I can do this stage, I'll refer you, you know, prefer, you know, to specialists for other stages. But then with my general, like if I um, travel immunisation, all that sort of thing, then I go to the nurse practitioner and that's, so I can go and talk to her for 20 minutes and she looks at the whole general well-being and then she goes, actually, I think you need to go and see. Are you still there? I lost you, Jane. Hello. Hello. Are you still there? Oh, there you are. Hello. What Hello. happened? <laughs> Technology. Well, I heard about a nurse practitioner and I had one of those at um, Baduri and she was fabulous. I preferred to go to the nurse practitioner yeah. than the doctor. Yeah, exactly, because they have got that. And I guess like because they have extra education as well, like they're probably just as well ed- educated in medicine as doctors were. But that's what they seem to be trying to do with we the poor nurses as well, which means that they don't have the mm-hmm. the time to to just be loving. They have to be technical, otherwise they're in big trouble. Mm. 
You know, I mean, I I feel mm. sorry for them because they've got fifteen thousand billion jobs that people want them to to be there for, or reasons people want them to be there for. Whereas the doctor, I'm sure, he's always been able to swan in and swan out. You know what I mean? Whereas the nurse was always the yeah, one that was the 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 I one know. that you went to if you really wanted to feel, you know, that you knew something or feel good about yourself, you know. A carer, yeah, know, that's the weird, word. And, you know, I'm the carer. Mature. Oh, the carer. Yeah, and that's like they're called the caring professions. But um, because, but the thing is that because of technology, like they, we have to have people who are able to operate the equipment and, and the new advances and we need people to specialise. But I think that's what that I'm saying. Specialising. That's how I started the whole conversation. Specialising really cuts care. Yeah. yeah. And so we need to have maybe there needs to come the like the nurse practitioners, if they were paid better than what they are now, then you could be just booking in to go and see your nurse practitioner and then they can help you decide if you need to go and see the actual specialist or the doctor or whatever for whatever's going on with you and they can be more holistic You're correct. and help you access the different services half the yep. time you don't know which specialist you need and that's why you're going to the doctor because they're going to filter through and go okay you need yep. a specialist so the, the, as you said the nurse practitioners had the training so um to to, to be yeah. able to advise you and my, my experience with doctors lately yeah. is that they, they've given me no advice. They've said your your x-rays are fine, um, yeah. get out of here sort of thing, and you go, but but where do I go? And they go, I'm not a yeah. physiotherapist or anything. Go and find somebody. So I go off and, yeah, and, and exactly. I have to find somebody who visits once every two weeks and work out where they are and who they are. No one says anything at reception. And you're like, oh, my God. Where do you go with that? Mm. You just gotta, yeah, yeah. You gotta know the questions to ask before you go anywhere or do anything. And and when you're feeling vulnerable, well, especially with your doctor, is only six minutes, six minutes max, and that's including coming in saying <laughs> hi, how you go, going, sitting down, then googling as well. You've got to have Google time so to get your conversation going. In six I read all the signs. And we're yeah. with a nurse practitioner. Yeah, I read all the of reception desk, and, and they, they were all saying it. things like, "If you've got more than one thing wrong with you, let us know because we have to make your appointment larger and longer." And you know, and all this stuff, and you're like, "Oh my god, where, where do you go with that?" You know, and more expensive. I know. Yeah. Well, done. you know what? That was cool. That was short. That was sharp. Oh. That was 12 minutes. Wow. And I'm going to say goodbye. Thank you very I'm much. Hang up on you. <laughs> it's been stimulating. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> yeah. Cool.